the more we solve, the more challenges will come, you know, kind of in parallel at, at the same time, if not faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HIMSCast. My name is Mike Milliard, and I'm the executive editor of Healthcare IT News, a HIMS publication. I'm here today with Ferdinand Hamada, who's the managing director of healthcare, and his colleague, Matt Dufresne, who's the managing director of the cyber and operational resilience practice, both of them at Morgan Franklin. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mike, and appreciate you having us. So uh, anyone who has been paying attention to the news for the past, I don't know, <laughs> 10, 15 years knows that healthcare has been uh, really in the crosshairs of you know cyber bad actors for a long time. Uh, it's not getting better. It's getting more challenging. Um, you know, we're we're just in a very fraught time when it comes to cybersecurity for healthcare organizations. So, you know, perhaps start by saying a bit about what each of you do there at, at Morgan Franklin. But uh, you know, towards a broader question, what are some of the you know, what's your view of the current healthcare threat landscape? I guess generally speaking. Sure, I could start. Um... So appreciate again you having us, and uh, so I, I'm the managing director of uh, within Morgan Franklin. I also head up the healthcare pharma life sciences industry. Um, I've been within just a little background. Just I've been within the industry uh, for all my for my whole career, uh, close to 25 years, uh, with really focus on uh, execution of cyber uh, risk programs and mitigating those risks. Right. Um, and I work hand in hand with with Matt Dufresne as, you know, my client portfolio with is, is within the healthcare pharma life sciences space. And there's a lot within the provider space where we offer cyber and operational resilience based on uh, how, you know, exactly what you described, the landscape of, of the healthcare environment, which we'll get into. But just want to give the opportunity to give uh, Matt some background and introduction of himself as well. Thanks, Ferdinand. And thanks, Mike. And thanks again for the opportunity to be here today with you. Uh, I lead our, uh, what we call our cyber and operational resilience practice. So this is um, a core kind of suite of services that looks to protect uh, against, you know, um, you know, against uh, disruptions to the business, whether they're coming from a cyber front or, or a physical front. So we really cover both sides of the house. Uh, you know, making sure to connect those two sides as well, because oftentimes, you know, a cyber disruption or ransomware, something like that might lead to longer term disruption for the business. So it's very important that we you know bring those two together so that while you're remediating from a cyber attack, say the business is, you know, continuing to operate at whatever levels they they need to. And as you can imagine, Mike, um, Matt and I work hand in hand together, um, you know, based on, you know, some of the service offerings that he provides and that healthcare landscape, um, you know, it's really critical for continuity of care. That's That should be first and foremost, um, is really having that patient in mind. It, it, it's not a, you know, a, a cybersecurity play or a technology play. Uh, the main focus and priority is really around uh, that patient and and continuity of care, like I said, and you've seen with a lot of um, you know the headlines within the news around some of these um, breaches and attacks to to the healthcare industry and and what we really you know what we really define as uh, critical infrastructure, and um, you see some of the things that are happening around you know patients not being admitted to emergency rooms because of attacks, breaches, ransomware attacks, um, denial of service attacks and things of that nature. And most recently in the news, you've probably seen some some more of the rural hospitals um, 
that actually have closed down because of, of ransomware attacks. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's it's front and center of the news. It is a discussion and one of the top risks within any institution. Um, and we've really seen a a large uptick of that um, within the industry. And we don't see that really stopping anytime soon. And, and that will continue. Um, you know, there's a lot of stats out there where healthcare has the highest ransom ransomware rate by industry, right? Um, and there's some HHS data around some of those breaches and and the fact of the matter is that the threat actors see this as uh, see this industry as low hanging fruit. Uh, it's a lucrative business for them. Um, they know healthcare is most likely to pay ransom, um, and there's some startling statistics around you know 61 percent of organizations paying the ransom um, compared to really the global average um, around 46 percent. So um, that's really kind of the the issue that we're that we're facing now. And we will continue to face. Do you guys take a position one way or the other when it comes to your client? If you know if your client comes to you and so- says, you know, what do I do? Should I pay? You know, it's a big philosophical discussion. I know we've had over and over again. I know the feds and others experts have said it's a bad idea. I could completely understand why others who are in you know the situation themselves and have data that it needs to unlock would would think differently. Um, and do you guys just take it on a case by case basis? So as an ex-CISO for a, you know, multinational um, pharmaceutical company, I, I, you know, I come from that old school mentality of, nope, there's no way we're paying. And, you know, and, and I've been in situations like that as well and, or have consulted my clients uh, as such. But I think you really need to determine um, what the situation is and, and, and um, you know, how you're dealing with it uh, per client or, you know, or breach um, because, you know, there's certain situations where it might, that that might be the path of least resistance and, um, you know, you, you go through it um, and, and, and definitely pay. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my school of thought, um, uh, but you definitely in- need to ensure, and, and Matt will go into it in a, in, in, a, in a minute, around some of the principles around being cyber and operational resilience, where you know, you could lean on some of those aspects around uh, backups and, and um, you know, some of that data that you, you can recover to build your infrastructure so you don't have to pay that that, that ransom. So, um, Matt, just want to hand it over to you to tee that up. Yeah, thanks, Ferdinand. I was going to say the same thing. I, you know, from my perspective, it's better to invest in better controls and solutioning, you know, make your business better and your environment better than paying a ransom to, uh, you know, the guys that broke in the front door or the back door or whatever. But, um, you know, we we generally work through like decision trees and criteria with our clients. Okay. You know, generally, I, I have the same old school perspective as, as Ferdinand. You know, don't pay unless you unless you have to, of course. But I also think, you know, never say never. There, you, know, you never know what kind of, um, you know, circumstances you might face, right? So to have a, a hard line, you know, kind of philosophy on that might not be the best approach as well, especially in healthcare. If there's life safety right impacts on the table, I think that that one changes the game, right? Uh, quite a bit in the calculus of, of paying out to pay. But what we try to do is just put very, you know, data-driven, um, you know, criteria that that helps inform the right decision at the time in a dynamic, you know, kind of environment. So we know we can't predict it all, but, you know, helping think through it with, um, you know, decision trees and things like that really kind of help shrink the chaos a bit at the time and, and, and track to a decision. 
Yeah, I'd like to talk about building cyber resilience in, in just a sec. But first, I'm curious, you know, A, are there some emerging tactics that you've heard about or seen, you know, from the bad guys that have you especially concerned? And B, what are you hearing from your clients? You know, what are some of their pain points? Um, you know, what, what are the problems that they're, you know, fearful of or, or trying to solve as they kind of, you know, try to manage and model through this this um, dangerous new, new time? I think so. Let me tackle kind of, you know, that that first question is, is around what we're hearing from clients and some of the trends and what 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 some of these, you know, threat actors are doing. Um, because as, as you can imagine, you know, they're they're very sophisticated. Um, and a lot of areas, um, they're very targeted, right? So they, like I said before, they know, you know, um, that the healthcare industry is, is more vulnerable. And, um, so there's now targeted, targeted attacks, uh, because they know that the probability of an organization, um, that will pay the ransom and that the encrypted resources are, you know, important enough to be worth paying for and, and really the healthcare industry checks those boxes. So really those criminals are taking advantage. Um, the other area that, you know, they're going to continue to improve that sophistication is, you know, looking at the, the, the holistic attack surface and, and in seeing what's out there. Um, you know, there is a lot of discussion nowadays around generative AI and and what, you know, some of the possibilities are around AI within um, our industry, healthcare, pharma, life sciences. And, you know, the possibilities are uh, and potential opportunities are, are really broad, right? Um, so there's things that, you know, they, we could do around clinical research, product development, uh, you know, things within the clinical space in, in hospitals that are uh, opportunities, opportunities within IT, um, and how we combat that around, you know, incident response, threat intelligence, uh, predictive risk analytics, any type of automation of repeatable tasks, right? So there's, again, there's a lot of opportunities. However, you know, based off of those opportunities, um, you know, there could be significant, um, you know, repercussions and, and um, things around data privacy, um, you know, extending that attack surface, you know, through that use of AI where, you know, attackers may generate new and complex types of malware and, and phishing schemes and other, you know, cyber attacks, um, you know, data ma manipulation. It's like all those, all those opportunities could lead into increased risk. So the point here is, and what we're hearing is that, um, and we're dealing with is, is really, you know, ensuring that we address some of those risks as we adopt uh, the use of generative AI uh, more broadly in the future. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, um, Mike. Um, and then we could talk about, you know, some of the other things that we're hearing uh, from our clients. But Matt, let me just kind of open it up to you and make sure. I think you're spot on. Um, you know, from, from my perspective, a, a lot of you know, what I'm hearing from my healthcare clients are a couple of things on, on the cyber front. It's really, you know, having building confidence, I'll say, and, um, you know, assurance around recoverability. So you, you, you touched on that Ferdinand earlier, like backups a lot. A lot of times when we do assessments for ransomware readiness, things like that, we'll find out that, you know, that the backup and restoration processes maybe aren't as tight as they need to be or, or not incorporating all the data sets, or maybe they just have, uh, 
you know, the, the, um, backups within the environment and not an offline, you know, kind of immutable, you know, vault or, or you know, cloud-based, you know, um, repository for that that would keep it separate. So we're finding that, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's, you, there's lacking on going the extra mile to protect critical data sets against data destruction, data integrity issues, things like that. And then, you know, and then even going the extra mile to say, okay, if we do have that, how do we then recover? Like, you know, how do we get back quickly to the last clean data set and, and restore that fast? So that that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And a lot of healthcare clients, you know, they on the operational resilience side of that, they'll they have good downtime procedures. They practice that all the time. But, you know, they're built to last hours or days, not weeks, right? So a lot of my clients now are saying, well, how do we take that and extend it to to deal something like a ransomware that we may have a three or four week outage, right? Can we extend those downtime procedures? So, you know, really taking that cyber view and, and bolting onto existing strategies around operational, you know, resilience and continuity integration with crisis management, because it will escalate to the top from a decision-making perspective around paying the ransom and all of those things. Uh, you know, that those are kind of the, some of the key things that we're seeing uh, need bolstering in the space. Now, when it comes to kind of building out your cyber resilience, um, you know, this may, I don't know if this question makes sense or not, but like, you know, should should it differ depending on the size and shape of your organization or should the basic kind of table stakes be the same? Uh, you know, the a data breach is a data breach, whether you're a huge academic medical center or a, or a small rural hospital but obviously one has more resources than the other. You know, how should they be tailored according to the size and shape of the organization? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and obviously Matt owns this space, but from my perspective, I there's things that are need that are must-haves and are and that need to be fundamental with your resilience program, okay? So, I I think um the resilience program should be an integrated program, um cross-functional it's not an IT driven exercise or a cyber driven exercise. It's holistic across the business. I think regardless of, of the size of the institution. Right. And, um, I, I think that's critical for success and that integrated and coordinated approach among all aspects of business continuity and that whole life cycle, uh, including, you know, within healthcare specifically site level emergency response. Uh, then technology, right? There's obviously a, a technology play, um, cyber incident response, um, executive level crisis management. You know, all of this are fundamental to um, you know really any resilience programs. So I think that's that's really key. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. Um, absolutely. The other thing I, I would say is key probably for, I mean, for both large and small, but uh, smaller seems to have more gaps in this area is really defining kind of the end to end services that they're delivering to their their patients and their, you know, their stakeholders um, within and, and without the you know, internal and external to the environment. So really doing that third party analysis and single point of failure analysis, say where, you know, where are those gaps in uh, coverage? Well, you know, lead to remediation opportunities where you can, you know, tighten up that response, tighten up that continuity, know where the pieces and parts of the process live so that, you know, if, if a portion of it is outsourced to a, you know, one single provider and, and it's a regional event, say, or a large scale event, they're, they're impacted too. Well, you know, you, you got all your eggs in one basket. So diversifying, you know, some of those resilient strategies based on how you actually deliver those services and sounds 
yeah. easier than it is in practice, right? To define all that because there's a lot of moving parts with vendors and and uh, you know, especially in IT, if if IT centrally doesn't have everything managed, there's a lot of rogue IT in the environment we find often, and you know that that can present vulnerabilities too. And I think you know, o- operational tech and medical device tech tech as well is a is a is a vulner- you know that's a risk area too that we're trying to bring into more squarely into resilience programs. So when we look at you know, we do business impact analysis to look at, you know, exposure levels and, and impacts and things like that. Well, we're not just looking at the IT environment anymore. We're really trying to expand that to the uh, med device and the operational technology environment. So th- those are some things we're seeing uh, can help tighten. In your dealings with clients, are you seeing that, you know, the C-suite and the boards who traditionally may have been a bit um, lagging when it came to opening the purse, purse strings and investing in the in these uh, initiatives are a bit more appreciative of the stakes and you know, understand that this is not, um, you know, a cost center. This is something that has to be done because um, otherwise, you know, the stakes are just too high. I mean, are, are, do you find that the past few years of headlines have, have kind of focused the mind? Does this become more of a patient safety and uh, business continuity type issue? There's no doubt about it. So I've been in this, in front of the board or audit committees, you know, more than I would like to say. Um, and you, you, you see that progressiveness and, and, um, as you know, we see that cyber security is a top enterprise risk, right? Call it top one or two or three. Uh, it has the attention and attention of the board has attention of the executive leadership team. Um, and no one wants to be, you know, that hospital that could admit patients or that hospital that, you know, that's suffering a, a, a three month breach. Um, so I, I'll say that we've seen some progress. Healthcare is historically always behind. Um, so just because of, you know, the nature of the technology stack and some legacy systems, um, the lack of cyber t- talent to really help focus o- on this. Um, and the fact that it's just such a complex, you know, landscape and ecosystem, right? There's so many issues and risks within healthcare that you have to deal with, right? From third-party risks to, you know, identities and multiple personas. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic had a lot to do with it and, you know, the shortage of just staff in general. Um, you know, uh, Matt talked to around, you know, IOT and uh, IOMT and OT and, you know, that's a different uh, discipline and mindset that you can't apply the same type of security principles and controls, you know, that you could, that you normally do within, within kind of that, that, that the normal IT landscape, right? So, you know, there's so many things out there. And plus, by the way, let's not forget that a lot of these hospital systems, you know, are uh, merging and there's, you know, they're growing through acquisition or consolidating from, you know, rural community health systems to, you know, more bigger, robust type of systems. And, you know, that drives the complexity as well. So, um, and, you know, to to kind of tie that all back together, because of all those initiatives, prioritizing where the dollars go uh, could be, you know, has proven to be more difficult. And and, uh, although we've seen an uptick, you know, it's getting dispersed across different type of, of projects and programs and initiatives, which is which is which is which is tough. So, 
you know, what do you tell your clients about cyber insurance, which used to be, you know, kind of a backstop or you know, a security blanket in the event that something bad happens. But these days, as we all know, the policies are getting much uh, more <laughs> expensive and harder to get. And the, uh, you know, I's that you need to dot, the T's you need to cross to make sure that you get these policies have gotten a lot more exacting. Um, not as easy to get as it used to be. Um, any, any advice on, on that front? I think, uh, it's a mixed bag, what I'm seeing. I think most still have it. Um, most of my, my clients across industries, Bernard can comment on uh, specifically on on the healthcare piece. But, you know, I, I know if you, you get, I have a few that, you know, you kind of get behind on this, it becomes hard to get insurance, even if you want it, right? So I have a few clients that are they are struggling with that now because of what Ferdinand just said, they're so far behind because um, healthcare is behind as an industry. So we have a couple now that are, you know, are, we're, we're, we're trying to help them get in a better position, you know, better control posture and, and risk posture so that they, they can help to get that. But, you know, I, I had had more clients question it recently, like, is, is it is it even worth it anymore? And kind of having that philosophical discussion. But I would say I, I still see most adopting it. Bernie, what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, it's, you know, definitely adopted, but I don't, think that uh, companies should be putting it front and center, in my opinion, right? And having it be kind of, you know, the main, the main um, uh, table stake as it relates to how we combat this, this overall issue um, and some of the, some of the uh, breaches and, and issues that we've been facing, right? Um, you know, when I was a CISO and going through that process, um, it was difficult, right? A lot of it felt kind of check the box for me, Mike. Um, in a sense of, you know, you know, going through assessments and questionnaires and risk, risk or, or security scorecard scoring. And, I, you know, I'm not sure that kind of paints the full picture of, of the environment and, and really getting to how a lot of organizations are maturing their security program. I think that's, that's how, you know, you, you want to look at it. You want to look at it from a risk-based lens and the trend in in maturity and a lot of it is um you know it's it's just those questionnaires and if they've experienced a breach and you know it's it's pre it's proven to be more difficult um to get insurance if if you know if if you had uh issues historically so um you know it's it's a tough but there are advantages right like utilizing panel you know the the insurance panels and and you know their counsel and and going through that there's there's no doubt there's definitely some advantages but um again i wouldn't it, it's not it wouldn't be my end all be all it's it's more of um part of the overall security program picture for me all right well you know we're getting close to the uh the end of the episode here but as we wrap up maybe just say a few words about what you see when you look to the future um this is not a problem that's going to go away i mean do you think we've reached peak challenge here, or do you think it's only going to get more challenging as as we go into the years ahead? I think for me, I think um, you know, as we continue to um, transform digitally, um, as we continue to introduce uh, additional technologies, uh, you know, I think that um, you know problems are going to be more complex. Um, and as as institutions and and enterprise companies, uh, you know, adopt some of these technologies, um, as I mentioned before, you know, that just introduces more threats and vulnerabilities within your environment, and more threat vectors, and and really, I think there's going to be um, 
continued uptick, unfortunately. And then within the, the healthcare ecosystem, there's already various points of attacks already, right? And, um, you know, these threat actors are going to exploit those vulnerabilities even more with the introduction of, of new technology and insertion points. Um, so that's kind of the unfortunate reality in my mind. I couldn't agree more. I think the the, the more, you know, the, the more we solve, the more challenges will come, you know, kind of in parallel at, at the same time, if not faster. So it's the nature of the, of the business, I think. Unfortunate, but true. Uh, well, there's, that does not mean that there's nothing we can do. And we've, you guys have done a great job of uh, putting out, you know, some, some great advice for building resilience in the, in the face of these threats. And uh, I thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. And thanks, of course, to everyone for listening to this episode of Hymnscast. We encourage you to rate and review us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Thanks again, Ferdinand and Matt. It was great to talk to you.